Hey, what's up, everybody? Coming to you live from Thailand Monday morning. If you're listening from the States, it's your Sunday evening because that's how time works. And you can see I'm still in my morning attire, my lumberjack onesie, because like Winston Churchill, I do all my morning work from my sleeping attire. Um, so today I wanted to speak about uh, open relationships and dating multiple women consensually or just dating multiple multiple partner relationships and it's something I've I've uh, been organizing, these things I've been organizing in my mind lately because I had this one client, he's been with me for a long time, and the last few months he's been at a next level, I guess, and he's been dating many women consensually, and I've been pretty much over the last few months, I've been texting him all these principles, and I guess you could call them techniques or things to remember, and um so I was like compiling, it's like, oh, I should make a video on this, obviously. I'm, I'm sending this to this one guy. But then, honestly, I've been a little afraid to share this uh, or, or a little nervous or whatever because resistant, if you will, because it's one thing for me to message this to one guy in a text message. It's another thing for me to broadcast it because, obviously, these recordings are recorded uh, privately in the Facebook group, so no one can see your questions or comments. But I do put the recording up on my podcast and YouTube, which my girlfriend and pretty much everyone I'm connected to has access to. I mean, the world has access to it. So I was a little nervous about it. And But two things happened the last 24 hours, kind of synchronicities that made me think, okay, I actually have to do this. It's like little nudge from the universe, time to share these things. Um, one, I, I mean, I don't want to speak too much about my personal relationship or my partner's privacy, but uh, she did say something random. There's like basically two principles that I think are like these core truths around open relating and maybe around love in general. Um, that I think are the foundation of everything. But one of them, it could be taken like in the wrong context. It can, it can maybe sound, it could be taken the wrong way. But my girlfriend randomly, I kind of out of nowhere said this thing to me, which made me think like, oh, obviously, if there's any, if I needed any confirmation from women or the feminine that this is true, well, here it is. She literally just said this to me. I'm going to share that. And the second synchronicity was, I mean, the last, it's been a little over a week. I've been getting up at 5 a.m., to work on my book a few hours before my regular workday starts. And, you know, I have my whole outline for like the whole time period I was in the cult and I have all these chapters and I just go through them one by one. And today's chapter happened to be on a conversation I had with a guy who was kind of like, um, kind of like a big brother figure mentor to me in the early part of my story. I didn't talk about him in the podcast I did on it, but um, he's, if you were to cast him in like the hero's journey, he'd be kind of like the Obi-Wan guide type. And he was kind of coaching me through like open relationships. And he said this one line to me, which is, I think is the second principle core fundamental thing about, um, open relationships. And I, you know, he said this to me like six, seven, six years, maybe seven years ago at this point, only this year has it really landed. Like I knew it intellectually, but it's only really landed in me now. So I was like, all right, I have to make it this morning. Um, so as typical to me, I'm probably going to jump around, but I do have some things I'm, I'm definitely going to hit. If you're watching this live, I, people seem to hop on around the 10-minute mark every time. But if you happen to be watching this live now, uh, feel free to type in your questions. I keep you anonymous, but I will try to answer them as I see them. Got some great questions from people beforehand. The things I definitely want to cover in no particular order are the biological imperatives for relating. And I think not I've been, I've been accused of being a biological determinist, uh, you know, whatever that means. I don't think we necessarily need to follow our biological urges, but it's very important to recognize them because when it comes to things like jealousy and other unintentional feelings, it's good to know why we have these and like and how we can mitigate them. So I want to start there. Um, 
there's certain ego traps I think can happen for people in, um, hold on, sorry, I'm getting, I hate the message sound in the background. How dare someone interrupt? Okay. Anyway, um, I think there's some ego traps and I, I'm going to call myself out. I mean, I've been mostly in open relationships my entire life and there's certain, I mean, if you asked me a few years ago about what I thought about it or what I think was the right way, I'd probably say some of the same things I'm going to say today, but I was coming at it kind of unaware of like the ego traps. And I think a lot of people who preach polyamory, particularly the people who are very adamant about polyamory, they're kind of using it as a way to avoid intimacy. Like they're, they're, much of the polyamory communities that uh, I've come across, primarily in New York, they're made up of pretty much avoidant attached people that use open relating as an excuse to not actually get close to people and be vulnerable. I've been guilty of that. So I want to recognize all of these as we speak about the principles of it. Um, do you want to speak about those two principles I mentioned, uh, some tactics and things to know when you're the person who wants to open the relationship or see multiple women consensually and have everyone stay connected? Also, the flip side, though, I mean, people, I think most guys, when they think about it, they're thinking about the other side of it less, whereas like, what if my partner wants to see other men? How do I deal with that? How do we navigate that? I mean, if you're in a relationship with a high self-esteem woman and it's open, it's very unlikely. Basically, a woman of high self-esteem is not going to be cool with only one side being open, whether she chooses to act on it or not. I mean, I think that has to be recognized, too, because a lot of the guides I've seen online mostly spawning from the pickup community, which, you know, I've mentioned as pros and cons, and they kind of dominate a lot of the assumptions around male-female relating still because of their great marketers um, from that community. Um, but uh, a lot of the stuff that they share works or is geared towards low self-esteem women, which is why a lot of guys who study pickup, as they evolve, they at some point they realize the tactics and techniques stop working. It's not because they stopped working, is that they only worked on low self-esteem women. And um, now... Uh, they have higher standards. Anyway, that's also something to recognize. And we have some like more tactical questions in terms of um, someone asked about dealing with the overwhelming feminine energy, I assume, of, of dating multiple women. Um, someone asked about like balancing your life with these relationships. It's a very practical point that we need to talk about. And then someone's asking about um, like the actual tactical talk of how to bring it up, uh, stuff, stuff about friends with benefits being put in different categories, all important things. So um, I actually have another call at the end of the hour. So I'm going to try to end this around the 40 minute mark, but we'll see how much I ramble. Not ramble, go on important tangent. So first I, I do want to start with the biological stuff because this can be taken the wrong way, but it's important to understand why we have all of our behaviors. Actually, I'm going to take a step back for a second. I just want to note that I am certainly not saying open relating is better. Um, or that, you know, I have nothing against monogamy. In fact, over recent years, I've been seeing more of the virtues of monogamy. Certainly no relationship under any sort of conditions can really thrive without true commitment. That said, I think, you know, it's a natural desire, especially for younger guys or newly divorced guys or guys who want to actually experience freedom, which is normal. And we're going to talk about that in a sec. But also um, there are certain I mean, the thing that I think is great about open relating is that it forces a guy to man up in certain ways. Like you have to deal with certain things that maybe you wouldn't have to deal in a traditional relationship. There's also stuff in commitment and like exclusivity that forces you to confront things. But there's something around this that leaves you open to a lot of it basically reveals a lot of insecurities to you and kind of forces you to grow or it could also cripple you, which is why, yes, when you open a relationship, you are exposing it to risk anyway. 
Uh, I was speaking about the biological drives because I, I mean, I don't want to harp too much on generalizations between men and women, but it is important to note because when it comes to, at least when I've, what I've seen, and this is all I, anecdotal, but I have a pretty large sample at this point, not for my, just for myself, but I've been around a lot of open relationships and communities where that's kind of the norm over monogamy. Um, there are some differences and, you know, it comes down to our biology in that, you know, our genes are these replicatable parts of our chromosome are what drive most of our behaviors, sexual behaviors, especially because our genes want to replicate and live on forever. So um, <clears throat> this is kind of like basic, you know, selfish gene, red queen stuff, but it's important to note. I know I lose some people when I talk about the science, but I think it's, I think it's the most interesting part, um, which is that, uh, you know, what, what a, a female contributes to the ongoing replication of, you know, of their genes are, uh, you know, obviously they have one womb, they hold the baby inside of them, which leaves them vulnerable. Um, so the woman's womb is a scarce resource because she only can have one man's child at the same time, but she's also vulnerable. So what she needs from a man is the provider ability. All things being even in a totally egalitarian society where resources are distributed evenly, which is not reality, but in, in a case like that, uh, a man's vulnerable resources is provider ability. He can only build one nest. He can only typically provide, unless he's like a particularly high status male, which we'll talk about, he can only provide for one, one woman. So under normal circumstances or conventional circumstances, the worst thing for him would be to be cuckolded, right? Like a woman has another man's baby, but he thinks it's his, so he spends all of his resources and raising this child, finds out on the 18th birthday or in Paleolithic times is probably, you know, maybe you wouldn't find out, but that's the worst thing for him genetically because now he wasted his scarce resource on a child that's not his. It makes our genes unhappy or like our genes would be weeded out if we ran on those strategies. On the woman's side, the, the, the most terrifying vulnerable thing would be to have the wrong man's baby, meaning she has, she gets impregnated by a weak man who under good genes hypothesis, I'm actually, I'm going to drop the terms. Uh, Basically, she has the, man, uh, the baby of a man who's very weak and it's not going to survive very well. That's really bad. Or she has the baby of a man who abandons her and leaves her vulnerable. Now, I mean, Esther Perel talks about this, like, one strategy of women. I mean, a lot of anthropologists talked about this. One strategy of women is to have the baby of, uh, of a guy who is, has very strong genes, but then uh, shack up with a guy who unwittingly uh, provides for him, who has a lot of provider ability. We don't have to get into that, but I just want to recognize at the root of male and female jealousy, you do see these two differences. And it's important to note this because a lot of times when, when, all, when everyone's acting the right way and meaning they're being, they're being supportive of their partner and they're being emotionally secure, so they're not dumping insecurities and like they're just feeling that way, a lot of guys will admit that the scariest thing is, and I'll speak for myself, the scariest thing whether she's going to have a deep emotional connection it's whether that guy is going to rock her world in a way that i don't and like that she's going to think about sex with him why because even even with protection even with these you know these instinctual drives not actually being real that that's kind of like my genetic fear is like raising another man's baby right even if we're not talking about babies on the flip side very often uh the deepest fear for a woman if she's an emotionally secure and her partner is actually supporting her is not the fear of um him having sex with another woman because men's sperm is unlimited. Uh, it's that he, he would become emotionally attached and then choose to give his scarce provider resources to her rather than to the other woman rather than her. These are generalizations. Uh, I'm certainly not trying to make these like justifications for anything, but it's important to note like that. I guess the, the, the thing to understand is that as you progress in a relationship, 
with someone, you're going to have different jealousy triggers if you're a man and a woman because biologically we're wired differently and because of the scarcity of different resources, we fear different things on like an instinctual level. So I want to backtrack, not backtrack, I'm going to go on a different line for a second because I, like in the pickup community, there was this acronym MLTR, which is multiple long-term relationship, and it was kind of seen as a, an achievement or like a, a sign of status that you can get to a point where women are willing to share you or like you can have multiple girlfriends and they're all like, they, they, they value you so much, they're willing to put themselves in the vulnerable position of you having other women. And there's definitely an ego drive to this. Obviously, I think a lot of guys, when they're not getting laid, if they were to think like, oh, what's my ideal? And I talk to a lot of guys who want to be better at dating and I ask them like, so what's your ideal dating life? If they're a younger guy or if they're a divorced guy, almost always they say something like I'm dating three different women a week and they know each other and it's cool, right? That's, it is like kind of an ego thing, especially if you're in scarcity. Like I'll speak for myself. Also like that was a goal for me for a long time because I was lonely and I felt low status. And I was like, well, if I could get to that point, that means I would have evolved, which is true actually. It is an ego thing, but it's also true. Like you do need to be a certain level caliber of man to have women be willing to do this. Cause I mean, this goes down to the biological thing I was mentioning. Um, if a, if a woman's needs are fully met, uh, she's less likely to be upset. And this is actually, I'm going to quote directly um, one of my coaches, Rob Kandel, from a long time ago, a friend of mine. He would say that jealousy is 90% turn on, 10% fear of exclusion. Oh, no, sorry. I said that the other way around. Yeah, 90% fear of exclusion, 10% turn on. So like that, that jealousy feeling that you feel, the, the thing that makes it feel bad is this fear that the person is going to leave you, right? But if you can develop security in your relationship so that that fear goes away then it's just kind of like this mild discomfort which maybe is like a remnant of our of our instinctual drives and um this uh is important to know because like when a guy has this uh, desire and he shares like i want to date multiple women i don't always say this but like here's the thing that is true like before you can think about consensually dating multiple women you have to think are you even meeting the needs are you able to meet the emotional needs of one woman most guys in relationships don't even do that, which is why for them to bring up, hey, like, what if we open our relationship to their girlfriend? It's like a ridiculous conversation because the woman's needs in that one relationship is not even being met. So why would she ever let you go somewhere else if she, you're not even fulfilling, you're not even filling her cup? Uh, and then the, you know, and then to take a step back, if you're, if you're on a journey of developing yourself to become a better man and a more attractive person, um, are you even meeting your own emotional needs? This goes down to like the neediness, right? Like if you can't even meet your own emotional needs, so you're an emotionally secure person, if you're in relationship with someone, if you can seduce a woman to 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 like you and date you, uh, whatever, you know, maybe preying on his, her insecurities or, or not, I don't know, um, but you're not even meeting your own emotional needs, what's the result? You're going to be needy. You're going to be dependent on her and sucking her dry of her emotional resource. I mean, I mean, emotional resource is like, you know, we're, we're turning into like a substance, but obviously this is, you know, a, a bit of a metaphor, but uh, if, if you can't even, you need to, before anything, no matter what kind of relationship, you know, this is, this is the whole emotional security, self-love thing. Can you meet your own needs so that you don't need anything from the outside world to feel okay about yourself? Obviously in a relationship, you support each other, but like there needs to be a, a net positive to a woman to relate to you. That's just a, that's just period. Otherwise, she's not going to stick around very long unless she's like attached to you because of her insecurities. So can you fill your own cup? And then when you have a surplus of emotions where you can provide emotional security somewhere else, 
can you fill up her cup? And this is, this is the one thing I'm going to say about my relationship now, because my girlfriend actually said this to me recently, like, um, if her love meter is full, if her cup is full, then she doesn't feel bad about these other things. And I mean, this is a principle that I've thought a lot. Um, it's a principle I've even texted, uh, you know, clients and stuff, like if you want to enter this, but, um, I kind of like this, a lot of these things, like it's one thing to understand them intellectually, but to really internalize it is different. So I'm telling you this now, like, can you like give a woman a full surplus where her emotional needs are beyond full? So she doesn't mind if you share your attention. I mean, by emotional resource, I mean, attention, I mean, presence, uh, I mean, sex to, uh, you know, touch whatever her love languages are. Can you, can you fulfill that beyond her needs? And then she won't feel so bad because in my experience, when a woman is actually feeling full, she's a lot of women, even women who like originally would say like, oh, I would never be cool with anything other than monogamy. A lot of times it finds that that's the opposite. And actually in a lot of the communities I've been in and I've seen a lot of couples open in the long run, it's actually the woman who's more okay with it. And that's anecdotal, but it's just what I've seen quite a lot of because once her needs are full, she's like kind of happy to to, to share, or I mean, that's not maybe the best way to put it all the time, but that's basically it. So that's the, the main principle, the first principle, um, which means uh, you need to be secure enough that you're not pulling on her. Um, so to make sure I'm not skipping over something I should go into. Okay, and this kind of relates to one of the, the questions someone uh, posted, which is like, how do you manage all of this feminine energy, right? Speaking just from the sake of like, you're a guy dating multiple women, they have needs, you know, if, you know, dating one woman, you have to deal with certain things, right? Especially certain times of the month. She has certain uh, period, not, not to make a pun, but she has certain periods of her life where she's going to be a little uh, emotionally ungrounded. And that's normal for a woman, right? Like it's not, not seen as a negative trait for most women, unless they're like living, working in corporate America. You're, uh, I'm gonna let this airplane pass. your role as the masculine pole is to be able to ground that. So this goes back to your emotional security. If you get frazzled by one woman having an emotional day or outburst, you, you jump on her. We actually talked about this. I was talking about the cult stuff. Or maybe last week, I don't remember. Like, you need to be so grounded in your reality, grounded physically, you know, so that you're not physically getting fl uh, flustered, right? Grounded mentally and so grounded in your reality that things are okay. I got this. We're safe. We are secure right? This is the masculine pole, like creating this container, like we are secure, asserting the reality that we are okay. So that when she's having her emotional experience, she can like come back into your orbit. Like you have to have the greater gravity. If you're a man who's dating multiple women, whether they're both serious or one's serious and one's less serious or whatever, you have to have w way bigger gravity. Like there's no, I don't know if there's any, uh, like relationship specific technique other than all the stuff that makes a man emotionally secure. Um, loving yourself, uh, not taking the outside world too seriously, so like uh, non-attachment to outcome, and basically I mean, having your own back. I mean, that's ultimately what it is. Like To have someone else's back is what allows you to ground her, so you need to have your own back first. So I don't want to, I think I've gotten that across. Um, okay. So I spoke about the first principle about filling her. Oh, there's two, two things with that, with the, cause like there is something and it, it gets tied up with ego, but there's something very legit about this only works for high status males. Like 
if again, if you're an insecure guy, like a woman is going to laugh at you about like wanting an open relationship. Like why would, um, unless she's like also being emotionally avoidant and she really doesn't care about you, which you see a lot in polyamory communities, like the people aren't really in love. They're kind of just with each other and they're kind of reserving their hearts. So like if anything happens, like the, the person leaves or something happens, like whatever, I don't care. I've been in that position too, which is not, I don't think, you know, whatever you choose to do with your life is fine. If you want to, you know, whatever you choose in your dating life. But as far as like your personal growth to live that way is going to stunt your growth. And I'm speaking directly from experience. Like if you live in a way where you're, you're kind of withholding certain vulnerabilities so no one can hurt you. Like for a long time, I never felt, I very rarely felt jealous in, in open relationships um, because I would say to people like, it's because I'm so emotionally secure. And there are certain aspects to that. Like I let go of certain insecurities I had on superficial things. And that's what prevented me from being jealous. But also part of it was like, I kind of with, withheld my heart. So if like my partner did something that really hurt me, I'd be like, well, I don't care. I have all these other options. And that's not a way to go through it because you're not like that. That holding in is preventing you from expanding and growing as a man where you can handle more shit in your life. That's what I care. I mean, I don't really care about how many women you choose to sleep with. It's like, that's the opportunity for growth. That's AI, one of the opportunities for growth as a man. Um, oh, so I was speaking about the high status thing. Uh, you know, so speaking, think of it, and this is also like to remember like the empathetic side if you're bringing up this conversation with someone you're dating casually or seriously. It's um, no matter where she's at mentally or whether she's experienced with open relationships or there's a totally new thing for her or, or whatever, it's exposing her to certain vulnerabilities and i think the one that's uh, it's it's kind of superficial but it's also probably the most common is that fear of judgment from friends or like you know i mean there's a lot of women who like they actually don't feel jealous but they're worried about how other people will see her uh, by letting you have this experience and like or whatever i mean whether it's friends or what or, or even like her own insecurities you have to recognize that when you're letting it goes both ways obviously we're speaking one way for now um so for her to deal with that discomfort, she has to be getting far more value from you. Like if you're a lukewarm kind of guy who barely meets your needs physically, who barely meets your needs emotionally, why would she put herself through that discomfort for you, right? So like there's a part of that which I think forces a guy to be high status because we know, I mean, on the like on a kind of a Machiavellian level, you know, the top 20% or the top, there's a Pareto distribution in like the, the male, when it comes to male sexuality, the top of the heap, has access to a lot. I mean, the whole, like the, the, the extreme version is the rock star who sleeps with everyone and women are excited to sleep with them, even though they know they're not going to stick around. Why? Because for whatever reptilian reasons, for biological reasons, they're seen as so high status, it's worth that. So not to say that you should be a rock star that, you know, it treats women poorly or anything, but it's like, can you, for you to even consider this in, in your life, you have to be high value enough that women are willing to deal with the discomforts that come with, you know, because the, the, there is a in, in inherent less, there's less security when you're not exclusive. Um, on the other hand of that, other than just being a person who's high value, right? Because like, like uh, I spoke about this when it comes to approval and dominance, not to go too much on a tangent, but it's like, uh, if you are, if you are insecure or weak or low status, like no one cares about your approval. It's the same thing of like, you know, to be attached to you doesn't really matter. It's like, but there's a flip side to that. Other than just being a secure person who is, who's, uh, is grounded enough in his masculinity that he can ground lots of feminine energy, especially when it's chaotic. And inevitably when you're exposing yourself and your partner to jealousy and stuff, even when you do things perfectly, 
there's still going to be, you know, some emotional disarray. Like you can never say to someone like, oh, you have no right to feel that way because we agreed upon this. No, no, you have a right to feel however you feel. You're going to feel however you feel. Even if you agreed upon a thing, if you agree, if you are within the parameters of your agreement, it's totally fine to, um, you don't have to feel guilty about what it is, but you also can't blame your partner if you follow the rules, but she still got upset. Like that's part of dealing with, that's part of being a bigger man who can handle more shit. It's like, even when you did things right and she's blaming you, can you still be secure and not blame her back and like not get triggered back? This is how you ground someone back into reality where things are okay. Um, Oh, sorry. So the other side of being a, a high value, secure, grounded, awesome dude is also like the, the technical side or the thing in practice is um, no matter what she throws at you, you don't, you never make her wrong because if you ever punish her or if you contract, she's going to contract. And like, if you're the person, I mean, assume if you're watching this, you're probably the person who's more interested in it, especially, you know, yeah, or no matter what, it's kind of your role it, to, be the person who leads the reality and that hopefully you're leading both the parties to a reality of security and happiness. Otherwise, why are you in a relationship together? Um, so the, the, the heart stuff, if you will, is like having this surplus of security. And this comes down to the second principle, which I synchronistically came across again this morning, which is love is not finite. It's not a finite resource. And this, this ties into a couple of the questions we got around you know, making time it's kind of related to the making time for multiple women and stuff. Obviously time is a finite resource. You only have so many minutes and days in a, in a month or whatever. Um, but an attention is kind of attention is a little less material. Like it's a little less finite, like, um, but love is not a finite resource. And I think for a long time, even I've heard this term, like love is infinite and stuff. Like, what does that mean? It sounds very cliche and whatever. Um, something clicked in me this year where I realized that if I'm giving, if I'm experiencing love with one person, it doesn't actually take away from another person. Actually, if you caught my, oh, I think this podcast is coming out soon. I, I, I interviewed a witch doctor who I met during my cult period. And she actually said this out of the blue to me, which is the reason why women get jealous is that you're disconnecting from one when you're with the other. And I didn't really understand what that meant, but for whatever reason this year, it finally clicked. It's like, oh, I can actually love someone and in, instead of taking away from someone else it's not this pie that gets like sliced up and, and divvied up between my partners otherwise like that really sucks right like if i'm if i'm seeing multiple people someone's getting less but love the experience is like this infinite thing where you can feel this emotion for people it's like you don't feel like because you love i mean this is it could be an ego rationalization, but because you love one parent doesn't mean you love another parent less, right? It's kind of taking away the sexual attachment for a second and just like the experience of love. So I know it might it might sound cliche to you too uh, that love is infinite, but I'm saying this to you now. And if you end up going on this journey or if you're on a journey of open relating, maybe it'll click for you, hopefully faster than five years, which it was for me. Um, with that, uh, the tactical side of it is how can you give your partner security? <clears throat> that's like the priority. <clears throat> How can you um, create a situation where she can really be convinced? And I don't mean like intellectually convinced, like not making it like a logical argument, but really feel that you are not going anywhere. Because this is another thing that I think the polyamory community, the communities that I've seen at least don't talk about enough. Like they kind of treat love as this transient thing. Like, oh yeah, we're here today, but gone tomorrow, whatever. Like that's fine. If I mean, people can live that way. But nobody who respects themselves is going to really open up consistently with someone who they don't 
feel secure around like someone who's not going to have their back like that's that's kind of all of this so you, you know down even down to the biological thing of why we create attachment is to you know allow our genetic offspring to 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 survive which often requires more than just a mother more than one person like can we actually can we trust each other to have each other's back that's kind of the root of a lot of these fears um <clears throat> So yeah, I mean, going back to the the first the question about the feminine energy is like you need to up your ability to stay solid when things feel awry, especially on her end, because that's kind of the masculine pole part of it. And another thing is like uh, one of the opportunities I think for men here is that you it requires next level thoughtfulness from you. Like it's not about again you can't you can't take things at face value. Like again, if she I mean the, the cliche thing of like where she says oh I'm fine, but you know she's not fine. Maybe you can get away with that in an exclusive relationship, but when you're dealing with things like jealousy and fears of abandonment and other insecurities coming up, you always have to go next level. Like you always have to pry a little deeper. It forces you to be penetrative with your attention and really take responsibility, not just for yourself, but you know, people don't like the sound of this sometimes, but you do need to take responsibility for your partner's experience too. It doesn't mean like you're making it your fault or like trying to control them, but it's like, it's the opposite. It's like, can you recognize everything they're going to feel and also anticipate what they're going to feel in the future? Like this is something that I think I have done well in my, I've made a lot of mistakes in open relationships, but something I have done well for the most part is like um, having a practical expectation of what's going to happen. Like she, and on the flip side, like if she's going with other people, which puts me in a, in a vulnerable position, it'd be foolish for me to be like, to take at face value when, when a woman says like, oh, like I like him, but I'm not really that interested. Like if you take that at face value, you're setting yourself up for disappointment, which I think is actually another avoidant characteristic where people, um, I noticed this in myself, like I would almost create situations where I could become disappointed as an excuse to pull away. We'll say that again, because I think this is true for a lot of guys. Like I actually was coaching a guy not too long ago. I think it was over the summer. He, he said, he was like kind of admitting that he did this with his partners. Like, creating situations where you can be disappointed. I mean, people do this even in monogamous relationships. I think it's like part of our, you know, quote unquote pain body to like find ways to, to prove to ourselves that we can't have what we want or things like love isn't the answer or something. But it's also self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like, I mean, I've done this before. It's like, can you remove that tendency to try to set yourself up for disappointment? And instead, you know, even if she says like, oh, there's nothing going on with this person. It's not that you blame her for, because like she might actually feel that way. But part of the feminine is that, feelings change. If, if The feminine within all of us, of men, feelings change. Like, you might feel this way now, but you can be like, okay, well, let's face facts. Like, in a situation like such and such, whatever the situation is, there is a likely possibility that something else will happen. And you anticipate that for yourself, whether you speak about it in, in immediately or not, is up, depends on the situation. But you as the man, or, or as anybody in a relationship like this, you need to force yourself to have realistic expectations rather than just be like, oh, well, we agreed upon this or she said this, so that's what's going to happen because what's inevitably going to happen is that feelings are going to be feelings and they're not going to care about your facts and they're going to change and then you're going to be butthurt as opposed to like having a realistic expectation. I think that's a huge part of being secure, which brings me to like this last section that I want to talk about, which is just as important as all the other stuff. And I'm going to answer the last couple of questions I didn't touch on, which is um, dealing with your jealousy because there is the opportunity for growth on being a high value enough man that a woman is willing to, for lack of a better word, share you or like, you know, be okay with this vulnerable situation. But it's also your vulnerability and your opportunity to ground yourself as a secure man who can 
encourage or be not I mean yeah be okay or encourage your partner to have her freedom with other men too and confront whatever insecurities come up for you because they will come up and I, I mean I'll speak for myself like you know um a lot of things that I like little insecurities that I thought I had let go of a long time ago will come up when I'm intimate with someone, especially in an open relationship, because I kind of have to, you know, even superficial things like maybe physical comparisons or you know, they have something I don't like that kind of thing. Uh, and the truth is, you know, you are exposing yourself to this in any kind of open relationship. Um, and this comes back to the security thing. If like, can you love yourself no matter what and know that everything is going to be okay? Like you need to ground yourself in that reality when you're in a vulnerable situation. Like everything is okay. And I'm not going to use this as an opportunity to make myself feel hurt, to find an excuse to pull away, but I'm going to stay open here. doesn't mean you don't have boundaries. In fact, like one of the important things is like, I'm actually, I'm getting ahead of myself, but to finish this thought is allowing yourself to be like, forcing or like encouraging yourself, I don't know what the best word is, allowing yourself to become the most secure version of yourself where you can take whatever life throws at you, even like kind of hard things to hear with groundedness and not externalizing your pain and blaming a partner. That said, it's okay to call out, it's okay to have boundaries, it's okay to enforce those boundaries, and it's important when you feel hurt instead of blaming your partner, even if she does something wrong, and, and you, you might do things wrong too, like by accident because of your insecurities, you might break in a relationship agreement or something, can you uh, not respond with more venom? Otherwise, you're just going to keep closing up, and that's the end of the relationship, which is why certain, you know, I mean, any, any relationship will end when that happens. You keep blaming each other, and you get more closed and more closed and pull apart, and then, it, then, it's, then it's fucked. It's never going to, you know, it's very hard. The way to open up is you need to lead in vulnerability, which means you're not attacking back. Uh, because a lot of the, the reasons why relationships spiral out of control is that it's tit for tat, and you just keep going back and forth. Anyway. Um, it's important to call out boundaries. It's important. Here's the technique, which is the most important thing. And um, I just had a podcast guest speak about this. Marilyn Curtin spoke about this. I think our episode's coming out in two weeks or so. Um, she was like, it's, it's okay and important to say when you got hurt without blaming. In fact, saying, I think she said saying ouch or saying that really hurt is important. Like, I think a lot of people like don't realize that they can share that they're hurting without retaliating. You can be like, that thing you did hurt me, whether it was malicious or not. It hurt me. Here's the deal. Here are my boundaries. I don't want this to happen again. It's not that you should take someone's shit, but it's like, I'm going to forgive you. I'm, not, I'm making this okay, but this is where it hurt. And like, unless, you know, if you're, if you're dating a person of any level of empathy, a normal person who's not a sociopath, they will be like, oh, I don't have to brace either. I can open up. And this is something that's come up a lot in, in my Relationships where things have gone well, uh, which is that um, sometimes, I mean, I'm not going to go into details. How can I say this? When my partner has done something to me that I think I think is fucked up or is, is you know, un unconsciousness on her part, and it hurts, there's a part of me, of course, that wants to retaliate, right? To punish her, to close off, to do something back to, to this is why we pass around pain this is why we this is why anybody does anything bad like we want the other person to feel the pain that we feel but instead is recognizing okay she didn't mean it even if she did something that was kind of like shady or something this is me recognizing that that is her bracing against pain from another guy probably I mean it, it, forget about open relationships if you can recognize this in your relationships you will prevent a lot of uh, negative spiraling like just recognizing okay this negative behavior is because of someone else's pain 
she might be wrongly putting it on me. She might be, you know, reacting to her last shitty ex-boyfriend in response to me, but I'm not going to blame her for that either. Otherwise, I'm just going to be past. I'm just going to be continue this cycle of pain and then nobody wins. Right. <clears throat> so that's also part of security, being able to, <clears throat> you know, as Jesus said, turn the other cheek, take that hit, take that punch to the face and still stay grounded. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, it's like an act of constant forgiveness, which ties to self-love and having your own back and like not needing something from the outside to feel okay about yourself and offering that to your partner. <clears throat> um, I want to speak about some tactical things, uh, unless there's other questions. I think there's a delay on this stuff, but if you have questions, type them in. I want to answer the questions that we got from other people um, before before the recording started. Um, actually, I didn't. Yeah, I, I do want to share some things from my own. I, my longest relationship to date was like kind of this triadic relationship with two women. And I did a lot of things wrong. Um, and in kind of in terms of the stuff that I said, I didn't really internalize. Like I believed that love was infinite, but I kind of portioned myself off in a way that I treated my, my heart as this like finite pie that had to be divvied up. And that wasn't good. Like that kind of, you know, that ended up harming the relationship. Um, and also the other principle like, can I fulfill someone's surplus? I think there've been times, and I've been guilty of this a few times, where I would say to a woman, oh, well, me being with this other person doesn't take away from you, but I wasn't filling her cup, right? I wasn't, like, giving her such a huge surplus that she didn't feel like she was losing something. And, like, those are the – I've messed up that a few times, like, thinking it but not doing it. Um, but in my in my triadic relationship that really worked the thing some of the things that that worked on that wasn't even on my end um were when they called in the poly community they call this metamors like the lover of your lover i'm not saying this is a prescription it was definitely not for everyone it's definitely not something that is natural to me or that is comfortable for me but in that relationship when the two women i was dating met each other and became friends suddenly all the jealousy went away because they they actually the two of them i mean i'm not dating either of them anymore but the two of them are actually still good friends like they kind of connected over <laughs> their com their mutual complaints about me and stuff like that i mean whatever i mean but once they got to know each other i think this is a principle this is a, you know i wouldn't say this is something i prescribe because there's many different ways to have relationships but i'll speak on the other end too like i was in a relationship where um my partner went out with a guy and he actually came to our, we were living together. He came to our house and he met me and he shook my hand. And he was super respectful. And at first I was like, I don't ever want to be the guy that meets the other guy. Like, just do your thing. Like, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know about it. But that was actually part of me being avoidant. Like I was trying to disconnect myself from the situation so I wouldn't feel any pain um, or even like the expose myself to the possibility of pain. But this guy, I forget the situation, but he ended up coming over anyway. And we met and I felt that he really respected me. He really respected my relationship. And I was like, oh, I mean, they could do anything tonight, assuming it's safe and consensual and between them. And I'm not going to feel like, I'm not going to feel afraid because I trust this guy to bring her back in, you know, not take anything away from her or from our relationship. And he respects it. And like, she can have this good time and it's not going to harm my connection with her. And um, this is one thing when like, uh, this is actually part of the, the advice I got from this guy like many years ago. Um, the biggest play in a situation where your partner is dating other people is to kind of support it. Cause like when, when a, when a man is like a hundred percent in security and he's not afraid of abandonment at, at all. And he like is completely, and he doesn't need anything from his partner and he really loves her. He's not longer driven by fear of abandonment. He's driven by like his love of his partner. 
and this goes for anybody, like wouldn't, wouldn't you want your loved ones to have a good time? So it gets to the point where like, here's the switch and here's how you know which track you're on. Like if your partner goes off with someone else and comes back and complains about how they weren't that great, if you kind of rejoice, like that's kind of normal, like your ego might be like, oh, well, he's, she's never gonna go away with him. But you know you're in 100% security when she goes with the other person, says she had a great time, says great qualities about him, and she comes back and you feel happy for her because you don't feel that fear of abandonment. You're just happy that she had a good time. That's when you know that you're at a, a level of security. And I think all of us, myself included, swing back and forth like I have insecure days and more secure days. And that's kind of kind of my barometer when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, yeah, because when you're secure, you want you want people you love to have a good time, right? All right, I think I'm just gonna have this last couple questions. Someone asked about, uh, you know, the the making time for many and like being stuck in your purpose. This is another. This is actually a personal thing I did wrong with my relationship with two women many years ago. I was younger. I was maybe 24 to 25 or 20 something around that mid 20s, and um, the amount of communication that in, was involved for me, I think, is also because I was insecure and I wasn't very good at, at create, giving security or creating security for my partners, but in order to reach a level of security where people are okay, it took a lot of conversation. Like it would be many hours with both women to make, to mitigate jealousy. And then I would, because I didn't actually act as if my love was infinite, I would constantly be triggering people back and forth. I was doing my best, but I was going back and forth. And like, it was like a nonstop thing. And I realized like, man, like this thing is like a full-time job almost. Like I don't have time for my purpose, which was the way I was doing it was true. I would say on that is, you know, creating security and loving someone doesn't require time. Like if you, if you are potent in your intention, if you're really good at communicating and foreseeing when a trigger is going to happen, like if you wait for her to get jealous then you're going to have to deal with a lot of cleanup, but if you can foresee the things and like anticipate how my partner or partners are going to feel, how can I make her feel secure in the future and take care of it? Then it's not going to take as much time where you have to deal with problem, like tr troubleshooting. And um, that's like kind of the important key to um, not having it take up your whole life. But at the same time, like if you have multiple people in your life, that is more time. So it's kind of a choice to you. Like what kind of life do you want to have? I mean, I think what is best for me at this point is to have one committed relationship, which offers us certain freedom. But like I, I you know, I, I invest in the security of this relationship because that's uh, how I choose to live my life at this point in my life. Um, Okay, the last thing someone asked about, uh, I maybe should have talked about this earlier because it relates to more like early dating stuff of like, um, someone was asking about the, when you enter a point where this is kind of conventional man, woman dating, but she's like, oh, what are we? Like she wants to have the talk and it's like, uh, I think the question was framed as if there's a, uh, at that point, once the talk happens, you're gonna go in one or two directions, either uh, you go into exclusivity or it kind of disconnects and fizzles out into something that's just physical. That's not necessarily the case. It can, if I think if you actually follow the principles that I've been sharing in this video, in this talk, um, you can take a third option where you can choose to be intimate and have and have a emotional home with each other, but also talk through the openness because you could go the, you know, you know, I guess the terms of the fuck buddy route where like you're very you're not um you're not you're not committed to having each other's back, it's just a sexual thing. But the truth is, you know, like if you have a relationship with someone that's really just sex. The second the sex fizzles out or, you know, sex someone doesn't get off or like, you know, it, it, then it's going to be over because what else is there? If it's a one, no matter what it is, if it's like a one, if there's only one layer to the relationship, if that layer isn't perfect, it's going to fizzle out. Which is why I think a lot of guys who go through 
who follow pickup stuff and go through the relating on a kind of superficial closed off level will find like, oh man, sex is like the biggest thing. Like if I don't get her off, she'll leave me. If I don't get it up, she'll leave me. Because if you're just banking on the sex piece and there's nothing else other than the sex piece, well, obviously that's what matters completely. But if you can bring other things to the table, well, then you just give more room. Not to say that every relationship has to be multi-layered, but that's a, that's a choice you make. Um, uh, so like you don't have to be put in those boxes. And I think, you know, the, the big thing is to have a conversation where you talk about the stuff that we were talking about here with your partner. I mean, it is... There's a big difference between having an emotionally vulnerable open relationship and having a no strings attached relationship. Like one actually requires much deeper intimacy and way more communication and way more vulnerability. And the other one requires like nothing. Right. And, um, you know, if you're a younger guy, like the nothing, no strings attached relationship is fine, but don't expect those relationships to last. Um, on the other hand, like you can have a lasting relationship where there is freedom as well. But part of it, again, you're going back to the whole things of like, like prioritizing security um, at whatever level, uh, whether you're casually dating many who are aware of each other, you have a primary partner or multiple, whatever. Uh, all of these things I think are true no matter the situation if it's non-monogamous. Uh, I think his last part of his question was, I think I, the note I wrote down is preconditions for friends with benefits. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, it's, it's, this is kind of going to be a, a recap of a lot of things, which is you need to be high value. And I didn't speak about this directly, but part of that is like, you know, if you, you have to be able to satisfy her on different levels, I mean, I, I certainly think if like your attention is really great and your and the sex is really great and all these other things are great and she's really feeling full, she'll be more open to all this to, to, to other, yeah, it's just like, she'll be willing to have an uncomfortable conversation, at least or entertain an idea if everything's really awesome. Whereas if you're barely meeting needs or if you're needy or if you're kind of a net negative for her to, to relate with, like, why would she deal with anything inconvenient with you? Same thing, you know, the flip side of anything. Um, all right, we're at 45 minutes. I think this is all I have to say on this. Let's see, did I miss anything? Love is infinite, filling surplus, emotional security, biological imperatives. Um, oh, yeah, I don't know if I said this earlier. I meant to. It's like, um, oh, yeah, the cuckolding thing I talked about. Uh, that's kind of the root of a lot of a lot of this, uh, a lot of the fears, I, I should say. We've come across this metamors meeting. We talked about that. Um, yeah, I guess I'll just finish with this thought, which is like, if you're if you have the desire to date multiple women, that's totally fine. Especially especially if you're a younger guy. I mean, there's yeah. I think if you're in your twenties, you should go out and and sow those wild oats. Not to be too cliche, but I just said a cliche. Fine. Um, and uh, you know, but there's you could do it in like kind of a disconnected way. But even if you don't choose to be with someone long term, being man enough to and to come from an abundant reality enough when it comes to everything and when it comes to women to like be open about things will only encourage your growth, whether you choose to be exclusive or not in the future. As an individual man, it will encourage you to be a better man, a more secure man, a higher status man, a more competent man. Like it kind of forces you to not be uh, mediocre. So I think especially for younger guys, it's a great thing to explore. Um, at some point you may choose to do things differently or maybe later in life you choose to whatever and all of those things are are fine and dandy if, uh, let's see anything else to say yeah I don't know if you have any other questions feel free to comment on this video I'll try to answer them by text 
Uh, we're probably going to do the same time. We're definitely going to do the same time next Sunday. I'm thinking about adding a Wednesday night too because these are a lot more fun than just talking to a camera, even though, you know, it's just nice to see people are watching. Makes me feel not lonely and more secure. Thanks for making me feel better. Um, I don't think I have any announcements. Oh, I'm a little thing. I'm actually going to be relaunching the Archetype Challenge with some special additions. Um, so stay tuned if you're interested and you didn't do it. If you already are in it, you're also going to get the, an opportunity for these special editions. So don't worry. You're not missing out on anything if, you're already, if you already took the Archetype class. Um, but, yeah, stay tuned for that. It's going to be first week of December, which is very soon. So if you're into that. All right, that's it. Adios.